0: Good to be here this morning and um, to be part of worship. Thanks, Joel, for the worship this morning and for um, helping us to focus on God, on the Father. My name's Andrew. For those of you that don't know me, um, I'm one of the pastors here and it's my privilege to um, to, to share the word with you this morning. And um, it comes from, uh, the, the message today comes from um, a number of weeks of, of thought and, and pondering and... Um, listening to God and reading and um, listening to podcasts and so I'm borrowing heavily from people this morning as well but it started with um, for me it started without when Glenn was on sabbatical and and we had, these, um, <clears throat> we had these family meals. And who came to one of those family meals? Just put your hand up. Yeah, came to one of those family meals. And one of the, the common elements of the family meals was we were asking, you know, what do you love about this church? You know, what do you like about this church? And, and what don't you like? And I listened to all those things, and there were some great things that came out. And But I found myself after that time really being challenged and so saying, well, what do I love about the church? Do I love the church? And why would I love the church? And, and went through that sort of stuff. And then Glenn came back, and we had some great conversations about it. But it drove me to start thinking about wh- why are we here? What, what's the church for? What, what are we about? You know. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think today I want to I want to share a little bit of what I feel like God is God has been saying to me. He wants to say to us, and I'm a little bit excited about this message, but I'm also a little bit nervous um, because I've been mulling over it for a long time. But I believe that God has something to say to us this morning. I think that God has a word for us this morning, and um, I want to be aware of it and hear it. I want to challenge us to be aware of it and hear it as well. You know, Joel said um, during the worship and in the prayer time, we were talking about it's a crazy world. You know, and it's crazy to think that God being God, actually had a plan for today, for us to sit here. And um, I would like us to think that he did, and that this is a word for us today. So I am going to talk about mission. Of course, you expected that. But I'm not going to talk about missions. I'm going to talk about being on mission. What does that mean? You know, the Latin word for mission is missio, which is to send. And so I want to talk about being sent. I want us to have a, have a read of um, John chapter 17, and it will be up on the screen, but if you want to grab it on your own Bibles. We're actually reading the NIV version this morning. I'll ask for forgiveness later. So um, so in John chapter 17, and this is Jesus uh, in his prayer, for, uh, his prayer to the Father for, for us and, and for his, his, his people. And let's start at verse 13, and, and he says to the Father, I am, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I'm of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one, because they're not of the world. And even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, so that they too may be fully sanctified, truly sanctified over there. And in, in our scripture... And the key verse is verse 18. I want you to, you, to just to keep your eyes gazing on, on verse 18. As Jesus said to the Father, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Remember the word mission comes from missio, sent, to be sent. This is what Jesus says. In our scripture, Jesus tells us that not only is he a person on mission, sent by the Father, but that anyone that comes into contact with him also Becomes a person of mission. I send them as I have been sent. I send them. What does it mean? What does it to be on mission look like? And, and there's stacks of things, and I don't want to get into practical bits and pieces. But basically, there's two th- two key things: to be sent to show, and to be sent to save. A missionary or, or Jesus was sent to show. He was sent to show us the Father, to show us the Kingdom. And as missionaries, we're sent to show to show them Jesus, to show them the kingdom, to show them a a model, uh, to, to display truth, what is real. Like an ambassador, an ambassador goes to another country and he wants to represent what his country looks like. This is the truth about my country. So a missionary is sent to show. Jesus was sent to show. And a missionary is sent to save. Jesus was sent to save, to make the broken whole, to make the sinful holy. Missionaries sent to save, to love them and to save them, to make things whole, to turn things around, to bring change, to bring love. So, the question this morning for us is Are we sent? And back to what Jesus says. So, Jesus says, As I, so they, just as Jesus, so we. As, I, as you sent me, the Father, so I send them. And he's talking about his followers, us. So I want to look at two features of mission that this text teaches us this morning, and a couple of things that we can learn out of here. Two strong things. Uh, the first thing is the result of mission. What is the result of being on mission or being sent? And the second one is the power for mission. Let's go to the first one the result of mission the result of mission is always joy the way that you know that you're on mission is that there is a joy jesus said in verse 13 i'm coming to you but i say these things while i'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my what my joy i say these things what things what things is he says, well, if you read chapter 17, he's talking about his mission in all of chapter 17. In verse 4, he's saying, Father, I have completed the work you gave me to do. You know, I've brought glory to you. And in verse 6, he says, Father, I have revealed you. I've showed them to you. I've shown them who you are. And in verse 13, he says, I'm coming to you. I am going to die I am making a sacrifice for them. I'm coming to you, Father. You know, and then you think of that sacrifice, and you think joy. You know, Jesus called that that sacrifice joy. Well, in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews twelve, verse two, what does that say? Um, That's the one where we're um, we're called. And 12 verse 2, and it says, therefore, 12 verse 1 says, therefore, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles, and let's run with perseverance the race. And in verse 2, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let's aspire to be like Jesus, Let, let's fix our eyes on him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The sacrifice for him was was joy. Let's aspire to be like that. You see, because we put ourselves in God's place, our will, our rights, our desires, our self-importance, our values. Because we put ourselves in God's place, Jesus came and put himself in our place to die. And he had joy to do it. When he considered the mission that the Father gave him, it says he was filled with joy for the joy set before him. Think about that. And so then he says, So I say these things, these things being the mission I've revealed you, I've showed you, the work, the sacrifice, that they may have the same joy, that, that you and I might have the same joy. Do you see what this is saying? The lack of joy in our lives is due to a lack of mission, not missions. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not going to send you all off to Uganda yet. The lack of joy in our lives is due to the lack of mission. There's a s- distinct link between joy and sentness. Jesus said, I want to go farther so that they can have the fullness of my joy. All of it. I, I want to go and do that so that they, my followers, can have the fullness of my joy. You see, you need a mission. You were built for it. It's how you were wired. It's how we're wired. It's what gives us meaning. And, and it's, it, it's what um, gives us a sense that there's something bigger than little us. You need a mission. And, and it's, it's it's human. Think of a kid. Uh, think of kids before they got cynical like us adults. Okay? You know, imagine... The, the, uh, and kids see their future as a mission, don't they? Go up to the average seven-year-old boy and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? (laughs) What does he say? Oh, I'm probably going to work in an office, look at a computer screen, push papers around, stuff like that. (laughs) Right? No, they don't. (laughs) Yeah. No, definitely not. You know, they want to be well, firemen. You know, they want to be heroes. They want to be. You know, think of who they admire. Kids admire heroes, saviors, people who triumph for good. When I was young, Flash was my hero. Who remembers Flash? Oh, now I'm embarrassed. Who remembers Flash? You know, Fl- um, yeah, Flash. You know, and Flash's good-looking girlfriend says, Flash. Save me, but we only have eight hours to save the world. Well, he can do it, you know. We, we <laughs> see kids see their future in terms of mission. There's a joy there, there's an excitement about the fact that I am gonna make a difference, I'm gonna do a noble thing, I'm gonna change lives. You know, even we love it. You know the movies, a hero saves the day, the higher good, the huge sacrifice. Who remembers Independence Day a few years ago? More than a few. Thanks, John. I hate movie buffs. <laughs> Independence Day. And that guy gets into the plane to die, really, doesn't he? He's going to go and save people because he realizes I may not come back. And there's probably other movies like that. Ask John later. He's got a list of them. And, um, but, you know, we kind of like that too. Something rises up within us. It's just a movie, but it feels good because there's a joy in that. There's, there's, there's purpose. <laughs> but then I get back to our normal lives and ask, What happened? There's no mission left. There's no joy left. They kind of came and went together as we grew up. You see, we grew up into a real world, not like a kid, you know. One that told us that my individual needs are the most important thing. My happiness is the most important thing. You know, all that noble stuff got weeded out as I grew up. What are they? Comfort, success, financial stability, respect, security, health, safety. I could go on, but you're getting the idea. You see, my individual happiness is most important. There is no higher cause than my individual happiness. This is what we've been taught and we've kind of caught in our journey, haven't we? You know, I don't have the time or the resources free to be a hero or to save the world or to do something noble like that. You know, my lifestyle needs more resources than a fireman pays, than a missionary pays. My new reality. You know, if I went part-time or I dropped a day of work or I gave some time away, that means I might be less happiness. I'll be risking something. Because there is no higher cause than my individual happiness, it destroys mission. If there is no higher cause than my individual happiness, and this is a personal thing, it destroys mission. Because ultimately, if something, a mission, something, were to present a risk to my happiness, the things that make me happy, it will lose out. Nothing can trumpet. Because I have made myself the most significant thing in my world. And if I am the most significant thing in my life, I have exaggerated my significance. And the irony is that by exaggerating my significance, by making myself so high in significance, I've actually lost it. I am now only significant in my own world, as is everybody else. And this is the world we live in. And they're the values and the messages surrounding us, aren't they? And yet, and yet, Christians, some Christians, you know, the only people I know that are radical anymore are some Christians. The only ones that are willing to give up careers or status or security or stuff to do or to do crazy things in order to change the world. Why? Why do Christians do that? Because we know that the ideal has actually become real. We know that the ideal has become real through God himself. He's sending Jesus to the earth, coming into the earth, into our world and saying, I'm bringing down the life of heaven into this world to change it and I want you to be part of the army. You work with me, and you'll see people's lives change from the ground up. Now that's a mission. You see, the world says that you were born insignificant. The world says that you're insignificant. But God's Word says that through Christ, you were made significant. Through Christ and His mission, you were made significant not through your own desires and and through Christ and what he did for you. Jesus said, if you save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for me, my greater cause, you'll find it. If you seek to find yourself, you lose yourself. Seek to find Christ, you'll not only find him, but you'll find yourself too. If you're a Christian, you know that you are a man or a woman on mission and there is a joy that's set before you in that. So the first key thing is the joy. The result of mission is always joy. No mission, no joy. Second thing, the powerful mission is an encounter with God. What made Jesus a man on mission? The Father. What makes you a person on mission? Jesus, the Son. Anyone who has truly met Jesus and seen who they really are is completely changed. When you have an encounter, and I've said this before, when you have a genuine encounter with Jesus, you do not come out of that encounter the same. If you've genuinely met Jesus, you will be changed. You know, in Isaiah, there's a couple of examples. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, he comes to worship on a Sabbath um, like he normally does. He comes to worship and does his normal thing, and he gets to worship in the temple, and he's shocked and traumatized. Because like most of us coming to worship, the last person he expected to meet was God. And yet there was God. He saw God's holiness... And he was instantly changed, wasn't he? (coughs) When you get near God all your insecurities and fears and doubts and everything comes out. When you get into God's presence, that all comes out. And that's what happened to Isaiah. And what did he say in Isaiah chapter 6? You'll remember this. He says, Behold, I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips and, and I suck, I, I'm, you know, help me, I'm, I'm dirty, I'm sinful. And, and you know, Because it all comes out in the presence of God. And that's what Isaiah said. excuse me, what does God do shortly after that? He gets an angel with a coal, remember that, with a hot coal. And he touches the lips of Isaiah, and Isaiah is healed and forgiven. It's interesting, the whole coal on the lips, I'm a person of unclean lips, let's start there, God says. And that's the imagery, he's healed and forgiven. And then immediately... Instantly, as soon as all the insecurities and the fears and the self-pity, and and as soon as all that goes from Isaiah, (coughs) God says, I have a job for someone. I need someone to go and preach to a group of people that will never, ever, ever, ever listen. (laughs) What does Isaiah say? Can I have a couple of days to think about it? Do you remember what Isaiah said? Anyone remember what he said? Here I am. I'm ready. Send me. What happened? Not only was he healed on the inside, but immediately he became a man on mission. The difference? He saw God and he encountered God. You can't see God and really see him without being changed and then sent. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, you know, when Abraham, well, actually, he was just Abraham then. You know, God says, I'm going to bless you. You know, that sands of the seashore, kids everywhere. You know, you're going to be a great nation. It's fantastic. Man, have I got a dream for you. I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you great. If we stop there, what a God. That's a religion that I could go for. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you great. But in the very same sentence, what does it say at the end of the sentence? To be a blessing. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. God sends him. What does God do? He sends him out. He says, go. You need to go. The principle here is God says, I will bless you. But he never says, I will bless you except to make you a blessing. And the way to be a blessing is to get out. For Abraham, it was his country, wasn't it? His home, his nation. He had to leave. What was Abraham really leaving? Was he getting out of it? he wasn't getting out of his country. He was getting out of his security. In order to be a blessing, you're going to have to move out of the familiar and become vulnerable. There's no there's no way God will call you in to bless you without calling you to be a blessing. And the only way to do that is to get out. But wait, it's not just the only way to be a blessing. But it's the only way to be like Jesus. Jesus left the security of heaven. He left the presence of his father, the relationship of his father. And he got out. He emptied himself, became vulnerable and was killed for our sake. Jesus got out. Unless you today are making yourself vulnerable in order to be a blessing to others, you've not been sent. What do I mean by being vulnerable? Are you so involved in mission and other people's lives and caring in order to help that it's scaring you how much of your money it's taking? Are you so involved in mission, so involved in the lives of others being sent where God wants you to be and make a difference that it scares you how vulnerable it's making you? It's frightening you how your living standard's on the line? Or it scares you how much of your time it's taking, you know, that precious time you have, the extra time you've got to give? As a, ch- as a church, are we so involved in mission, being people on mission, that it's scaring us to make the budget every year? That it scares us what the money's going to and, and, and how we're going to get there? That, it's, that it scares us how disorganized it may make us? Or we're concerned at how it might change us, etc. Is it? Are you so much involved in mission that it scares you? If it does, then that's good, because like Jesus, you're surrendered to be a blessing, knowing that you too have been blessed. An encounter with God, that's the power for mission. He will never pull you in except to send you out. Is that happening to you? The result of mission is always joy, and the power... For mission is an encounter with God. So what does this mean for us as a church? If we're going to be sent like Jesus was sent, to have the same joy as he had, and I've got to be honest with you, I don't know if I'm excited about the joy that Jesus had when I read about how it went. But what if that's what he's saying? What does it mean for us? see, we're called, One Hope Community Church, we're called to be a a people on mission. Not a church that does mission. There's a difference. We're called to be a people on mission. To be sent, to go out, to experience the joy of being sent. (coughs) Excuse me, sorry about that. The church is not the mission. Doing church or making church great is not the mission. And for many, the church has become the mission rather than the context for mission. When the church is the mission, when we make church our mission, the goals become things like great worship, engaging preaching, good programs, a great community, you know, and a place to call home. Those things aren't bad in themselves. But the mission, Jesus' mission, is reaching the lost, bringing the truth of the kingdom where it isn't yet, caring for the poor and the broken, breaking the chains of oppression, healing for the broken, being a blessing, getting out, being sent. And the cool thing is that if the church is made up of people on mission, ready to get out. It will have great worship, so it will be inspired to go. It will listen to engaging preaching, so that they'll be equipped for the task. They will have good programs to prepare people of all ages for the mission. They will build great community, because that will provide support for the mission and they'll teach that this world is not our home we know that we don't belong here and that we have been made significant through Christ and that we have been blessed so that we too can be a blessing that that would be our driver to be church church is by definition then missional isn't it it's not the mission But it's the context I have committed to, that you've committed to, to live out your sentness. It's where I get to express it. It's where I get to learn about it. It's where I get to live it out and I get to launch my mission from it. It's dynamic. I never, ever get to just attend church. I'm on mission here. And contrasting that, if my happiness is the mission, I can never make a sacrifice that will risk my mission. Me. I can never do anything that will cost me or my cause any suffering to my life. Excuse me, my mission. However, if the life of Christ is my mission, and if I know that this world is not the end, this is not where it finishes, there will be nothing Holding me back from making whatever sacrifice is needed in order to see the mission grow. And as a church and as individuals, the mission becomes our driver. It changes our goals, it changes the way we do things, or it can change the way we do things. It makes us flexible because the church and its practices only exist for the mission. And it can flex and change to meet the needs and the demands of the mission. The goal is never to settle, never to say that we're comfortable, and never to say that this is home. Rather, a place where we always ask ourselves, as individuals and as a church, how do I go this week, this year? this day how do we go as a church this year how do i be a blessing how do we be a blessing how can i encounter god more how can we encounter god more so that we too will experience that joy of being sent you know the link between joy and sentness that we will live with joy because there is no lack of mission be that in our neighbors inside our church in cavell corner in the nation in the world doesn't matter Go for some of us means a long way. Go for some of us means about 10 steps. How am I going to live as a man or woman on mission right now? How are you going to do it? I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they, so that we may have the full measure of Jesus' joy within us. And as you send me, Father, I send them. Have you been sent or are you just attending church? Are you lacking joy? Purpose? Do you want to be a fireman? Do you want to make a difference? We all say we do. But then the world comes in, doesn't it? I don't want to preach anymore. I, I want to pray for us this morning. I started by saying that I really believe that this was a word of the Lord to me, and I really believe it's a word of the Lord to word of the Lord to us as a church. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I struggle with some of this stuff. I, I, I like my time. I like my comfort. Uh, I like to have enough. I I, I don't like the idea of risking those things. Believe me, I've been there. And I suspect that none of us really like that. I would rather attend a great church. (laughs) You know, fantastic worship, preaching, and I think, wow, like Glenn does. I, I would like that. I would like it to be comfortable. I would love for our church budgets. One of the leaders, I would love to not have meetings about that. You know, sort of saying, let's just do it like that because that's how much money we've got. Let's be responsible. I would love that. It would be so much easier. But I'm growing to understand that that's not what I'm called to. That's not what you were called to. This world is not my home. So I want to pray. I want to pray for you. There's a couple of things I wrote down that that struck me this week, but I want to pray for you if you need to have an encounter with Jesus for the first time, or maybe you need to have it again. Because if you truly encountered him, you, you, you want to get out. I want to pray for you if you're not sure that you're sent. Is this me? I want to pray for you if, like me, you recognize that your individual happiness is trumping God's call on your life sometimes or often. I want to pray for you if you elevated the church to the end destination rather than the station on the way or an equipping place. I want to pray for you if you're lacking joy, that you don't have a sense of a bigger purpose The little old me goes to insignificance when I think of what God wants to do through me and us. I want to pray for you. Again, this is one for me as well. If like me, you're scared of sacrifice and you don't really know where to begin. I want to pray with you if you struggle when you hear this kind of message. God, I don't want to be sent. I don't want to. Like the kid that says, no, I don't want to go to the dentist. You know, it's real. So if any of those things speak to you, I want you to stand up. And I want us to pray. Pray. Father, we we, we stand here together as as a community but also as individuals. And um, God, I want to start by um, thanking you for your word but also acknowledging and recognizing publicly that, Lord, sometimes I haven't let your word sink into me. I haven't allowed it to affect me. I have not allowed it to speak to me so that it changes my life. And Lord, I know that, that, um, <laughs> that you'll keep speaking to me anyway, and I, th- anyway, and I thank you that, you that you have this morning. God, and I just pray for each one of us here, Lord. I, I pray that as we consider what it means to, to be on mission, to, being, to be being a people on mission, what it means for us as a church, but also what it means for us as individuals, I pray, Holy Spirit, for you to speak right now. Speak into our hearts and and point out to us, Holy Spirit, where we need to move afresh. Lord, for those of us that, that need an encounter with you for the first time, I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would meet you, that you would come to them in love, that you would show them who you are. And that you bring salvation to their hearts. I pray for those of us that need to encounter you again. It's been a long time. It's, um, I've struggled or, or it's, not been a, it's been a while since I've really actually had a meaningful encounter or conversation with you, Jesus. I pray for those people, God, that you would meet them right now again and afresh. Remind them of what you did and who they are in you. I want to pray for those of us that are not sure that we're sent. Lord, what could you do with me? What would it mean for me to be on mission? I just live in the burbs. What does it mean? Lord, I pray that you would reveal to them what you've done in their hearts and how much you've invested and how much they have to give to a broken and hurting world. I want to pray for those of us that, that recognize, and for myself, that recognize that my happiness and my comfort and my goals in life, they seem huge for me, but they're puny to you, God. That they actually trump your call, that they've been taking my resources, my time, and that they're getting in the way of me doing what you want me to do. I pray, Lord, for myself and for those of us that are in that place. Lord, that we would repent, that we would be seen fit, to pay the price of being sent and being a blessing. Lord, I pray for those of us that have seen church as the end destination and, and I love this church and it's great and friendly and please don't mess with my church because I like it the way it is and, um, and building the church and doing church stuff is the, is the mission. Lord, I pray for those of us that have elevated it beyond your call on us as a church individuals. Forgive us, Lord, and teach us to be contributors to a mission, the mission that you have for this church. Lord, for those of us that are lacking joy, that, that have, have, are walking through life without this fullness of joy that you talk about, that there's no sense of a, a bigger purpose, a, there's no sense of something great that, that we're supposed to do and that we can do in and through you, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to the world around us, That you would open our eyes to the the truth of what you've placed in us and the power that you've placed in us to change situations and worlds. Lord, that we would seek to be ready to, to do whatever it takes to live as sent people and experience the same joy that you had, Jesus. And God, I pray for myself and those of us who are scared of sacrifice. Because we don't know what that might mean. And if I say, yes, Jesus, you might, you can fill in the gaps. I pray for this, those of us that are scared. And I pray, Lord, that you would surround us and remind us that you loved us so much that you broke into our world and changed it. And that we have a future that is fantastic. That you have a great plan for us. And that we are safe in your hands. That you will never, ever, ever leave us and that we are sent. Lord, I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray that your word would bring transformation to our hearts wherever it needs to. That we would be people on mission, sold out for the King of Kings and for his reign in this world, in us and through us, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: And that, because of that, we're gonna go live it out. Everlasting, while earthly ages fade, in mercy. God, your kingdom reigns. Lord, over everything you are need. All of the universe at your feet, Lord, over and Lord, over everything you are near, and all of the universe at your feet. The lost are found, the blind will see The lame will walk, the dead will live And you, are God, forever you will reign The lost are found, the blind will see The lame will walk, the dead will live and you, are God, forever you will reign. Oh, the lost are found, the blind will see, the lame will walk, the dead will live. And you, our God, forever you will reign. Lord, you are near. And all of the universe at your feet. Let's declare the lost are found. It happened for us and it'll happen as we live on our mission. The lost are found, the blind will see, the lame will walk. The dead will live, and you are God forever. You will reign. The lost are found, the blind will see, the lame will walk. The dead will live, and you.